Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOSB, you'll be all set for when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams and all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOSB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio on one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're a holiday powerhouse. You host the dinners, shovel neighbors, sidewalks, and make everything from scratch. You definitely don't need help making the holidays happen. But Dunkin's Holiday Blend Coffee? A warming medium roast complete with sweet notes of dried fruit and molasses. Or a cranberry orange muffin made with real cranberries just might convince you a little help never hurt. Especially the hot caffeinated kind. America runs on Duncan. Present participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. This is the captain. Brace for impact. Hello, hello, hello. Davey Portman here from Up Next, postwrestling.com iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcast Addict, Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts, you can find Up Next. And we are live, twitch.tv slash upnextpodcast. And this, my friends, is Deep Impact. But I can't do this show alone. So I am joined with Mr. Andrew Thompson himself making his big return. Andrew, how are you today? Davey, it is good to be back, good sir. Glad are to be you? back. Doing, glad to be back doing good impact. Deep impact. I said good impact. Deep impact with you, sir. How are you feeling? <laughs> I'm pretty good, thank you. Are you ready to dive back into the world of impact wrestling? I, um, I am ready. I, Fire and Flavor Fest just did you in a couple of weeks ago, didn't it? Indeed, <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it did. But uh, we, we, I'm, I'm ready to get back. I did not catch Lex, that last week's episode. I only caught the highlights, but I'm interested. I was, I was very interested to come into this show and catch the full thing to see. Uh, what, what, what I missed from the previous week. Absolutely. And you know what? I think I don't, I haven't spoken to you on your thoughts on the show at all, but I thought this was a pretty good week to come back in. I, I, I quite enjoyed this week. So I thought it was a vast improvement on the last couple personally, but uh, you are our newsman. So for those of you that don't know, Andrew, um, you write these crazy extensive reports for postwrestling.com. Um, I, I saw you got one out there just earlier today as well. The, the stuff, you, you seem to kind of listen to absolutely everything, read everything. They're so extensive, these reports. Um, I know you messaged me a bit earlier in the week kind of telling me about uh, the Trey Miguel situation. So I thought maybe yeah, we could start uh, this episode by talking about that. Yeah, so basically... um. I'm pretty sure, as you guys know, we've been keeping up with the podcast over the past couple of weeks. And I think Trey McGill returned on the January 26th episode of Impact. Um, he, he did an appearance on uh, the Wild On uh, podcast with 
uh, Taylor Wilde, who spoiler alert, I don't want to spoil you guys, but I mean, she pretty much already leaked that she's going to going to be returning to Impact Wrestling soon, which ties into the podcast. But yeah, Trey was a guest on there. He basically, you know, spilled the beans about why he didn't join WWE alongside uh, Desmond Xavier and Zachary Wentz. Basically, like without, you know, going through the whole quote, um, he basically said that. Dez and Zach needed wrestling in a different way than he does right now. Specifically mentioned that both of them are uh, married and or engaged right now. And they just needed, yeah, they just need professional wrestling in a different way than he does. And also um, it came to a point where, you know, he has his family that he needs to, you know, stick by and can't really just pack up and move to Orlando, Florida and just leave his family behind like that. Plus he owns a wrestling school and he likes the flexibility when well, not owns a wrestling school, but as a, a head trainer at a wrestling school and, just like the flexibility of, you know, being with Impact and then also being able to do other ventures as well. So, yeah, that, that was basically the gist of it. But, yeah, it, it just seemed like, you know, and I, like, I know me and you talked about it previously, David, about the comments that Triple H made on the on the media call. Like, when he, you know, talked about one of the people that was fully committed. It was good to hear Trey side, you know, of that, you know, that comment. And, you know, it just seemed like, you know, he just had more other important things to take care of, like, you know, like family. So you got to respect it. Yeah, I, I got kind of reading the the article. I got kind of uh, AJ Styles vibes from it, like mm. when he first got an offer from WWE, and just the timing wasn't right for where he was in his life. Um, I, I kind of assume from what he was saying about Wentz and Dez, it's kind of the money, that security there with uh, having a family and stuff. Whereas he isn't in that position, and he said he he just had a was it a nephew. Um, yeah. join his family nearby and like he'd he'd lost his uh, brother I believe a few uh, recently as well so it made sense for him at this time in his life to stay uh, I guess in where he's living right now and, and working for Impact I don't see it as any bridges necessarily being burnt the guy is right. the guy's only 26 like I, I think this is the right move for him personally standing out a bit more as a a main eventer as a solo act in in a company like Impact, and then I can absolutely see in uh, in a few years' time whether it be um, AEW or or NXT uh, reaching out to Trey again. And you wonder, some, someone like him, once the world kind of opens up again, does he have aspirations to do kind of a a best of the Super Juniors or anything like that? Which obviously mm. you wouldn't be able to do that if you were in WWE at the, this point in his career, but. It seemed quite an open and honest um, article. And uh, yeah, and personally, I, I'm very happy to see him still in Impact. Yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, on, on, on to some, you know, some kind of similar. Uh, well, not, not really similar, but it was in the same vein. Uh, uh, Fightful had uh, noted in their uh, weekly, their, their wrestling weekly, that Impact is planning a tape between today, uh, which is February 9th, for those of you listening. And uh, between yeah today and February 11th, so just just some uh quick quick expectations of what, what you think might or could happen on the next set of tapings, Davey, Just off the top of your head, things that you know could come to mind, and you know you 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 could see happening um as the next set of tapings unfold coming out of uh the No Surrender show. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if they're going to we're, we're going to be talking about that Forbidden Door a lot on this show. Um, <laughs> obviously, we had Private Party with Matt Hardy for the last set of tapings. Um, on tonight show, Tony Khan indicates that he's gonna um, be on uh, Impact again and wants to make his way to Nashville. So I assume he's gonna be at those tapings. I would expect possibly some other AEW stars. Um, 
possibly it's time to see some of the women go over as well. Um, That's what I'd like to see. I think I would, unless you're actually going to put the titles on Private Party, which I don't see happening, uh, I see Private Party kind of being done after No Surrender and then maybe uh, a couple more talents being over there. Yeah, I 100% agree with you on the women. I know me and you have discussed that at various points uh, throughout the times that we've done this podcast that we think it's time for the women to kind of get involved in this whole crossover thing. I think a lot of people are awaiting uh, Britt Breaker to pop up or somebody along those lines. I I would also like to see uh, Top Flight um, appear at the next Impact. I think it would be good for them to get them reps in. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who pops up at the next set of tapings. uh, And we're definitely going to find out uh, next Tuesday. Uh, following hard to kid. I mean, I, mean, I think they'll surrender. <laughs> they're the talents you want to be sending over. I'd say, I'd say, like your top flights, um, maybe like an Anna J or a Ty Conti, yeah. uh, those role. who are who are good and they've got a name to themselves. That I think seeing them on Impact would kind of maybe move the needle a bit. But as you said, they're not kind of as experienced as some of the others and do need those reps. So they're absolutely the talents I'd like to see. Uh, but the most important thing I'd like to see with any wrestling show, you know, if you're doing a set of tapings, I just want good wrestling, good mm-hmm. storytelling. Mm-hmm. That, that's the main thing. I don't care who's there. Just make it good. You know, uh, you, you, you're asking for too much, Dave. Oh, I'm asking sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you got any more uh, news before we get into this week's show? Uh, not, no, no, we, we know. I think most of it we're going to uh, dive into once we uh, break down this show. Well, let's get right to it. Impact Wrestling, February 9th, 2021. We start with an eight-man tag uh, with pretty much the entire X Division here, minus uh, Rohit and TJP, it felt like. Uh, These are all the men who are going to be in your X Division triple threat gauntlet match. Now, the way I believe this works is you start with three people in the ring, once someone gets pinned, they're out of the match and someone else comes in like a gauntlet match to re- replace them. But you always have three people in the match until it gets to your final three when it's then a traditional triple threat and whoever scores the full wins. Um, that's going to be the X Division match on Saturday for No Surrender. Um, sorry, yes, No Surrender, Hard to Kill. No Surrender. You've got me no, going now. Yeah, <laughs> What do you think of this match? It sounds maybe more complicated to explain <laughs> than I think it will look in execution. Um, I I think it could actually work quite well if they don't overcomplicate things. What do you think of this triple threat gauntlet? So, so when you initially hear about it, it sounds like very overcomplicated and it just seems much easier to just do a traditional style gauntlet match when you start off with two people and then the next person comes out and the next person comes out. But I, I like that they're trying to do something different. I, I feel like once we see it and once we kind of see how the thing flows, then it'll be better. But like just hearing it, it, it already sounds kind of confusing. I remember when I wrote the story about it initially, I was like, okay, how, how is this going to work? But uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure they'll put it off. Like I'm pretty sure they probably got the you know the nuts and bolts of it down and it's going to be interesting to see how they, how it kind of plays out as far as like the, you know, the match rules and things of the sort. It It's essentially like any of the games I put on this thing. When I read the rules, <laughs> everyone is like, what the fuck is, is so, this dude on so about? Accurate. And then it starts and they can be quite fun. Uh, yeah, I think you could actually, I can see someone like an Ace Austin just 
using the the kind of rules of the match to his advantage by because it's it's not traditional triple threat where you're going to have to break up every fall so it definitely allows the heels to kind of sit back on the outside and let two people in the ring go for it i i personally think it could be quite fun and i'm about to add on i'm about to say you you want to know what would be what's cool about that i think it'll give ace austin a nice little shot in the arm coming off of that thing with matt cardona i I feel like they kind of derailed his momentum just a a teeny bit like coming off of his super x cup win so i think this will will, will kind of bring him back to where he was prior to that yeah, I, I almost completely forgot he won the Super X Cup. I wasn't. <laughs> di- I don't think he even comes to the ring with it anymore, does he? It, it mm-hmm. seems to be a thing of the past. So these are your uh, competitors who will be in the X Division Triple Threat Revolver match this Saturday. It's Josh Alexander teaming with Trey Miguel, Willie Mack, and Suicide taking on Chris Bay, Davari, Blake Christian, and Ace Austin. Felt kind of weird seeing Blake Christian on the the heel team here, but as the match went on, it kind of made a bit more sense. So Alexander and Blake Christian start the match, and very soon Austin tags himself in. Um, there's, I, I was quite a big fan. I've been mentioning about wanting Josh Alexander to kind of change his look a bit. Still looks kind of the same, but I did appreciate the kind of. Uh, Canadian maple leaf gear he wore here I thought it looked very nice and I was a big fan of Trey Miguel's Jordans here like the mint green mm. I thought they looked very nice um, Trey makes his way to the into the match there's a lot of quick tags early in this match just so you can visually see different combinations that could be on Saturday uh, I thought Austin and Trey Miguel had a really good exchange Mac gets tagged in and goes for a tope suicida but is kicked by Austin uh, then Davari and Willie Mack go back and forth for a bit. Uh, Davari jumps off the top rope, but Mack manages to get the knees up. Then Trey Miguel and Blake Christian are tagged in. And this is where the match really steps up. Uh, watching these two go at it was very entertaining. And I'd definitely like to see more from these two in the future. You get the neck crank from Trey. And then he catches one of Blake's kicks and turns it into this uh suplex but with the leg hooked and then managed to turn that right into like this sharpshooter into a motor lock i thought this looked very impressive from trey miguel here quite innovative um th- do you n- remember the sequence i'm talking about here yeah tra- trey miguel like him i like uh, you, you mentioned it earlier i feel like you know, kind of, kind of harking it back to you know what we talked about as far as the podcast goes uh, him, him speaking about why he decided not to go to WWE. I feel like, like even just seeing him in this spot and seeing him over the past couple of weeks since he came back, I feel like it was like the best decision for him to be an impact because we've seen like, and I don't know, it's just, is it just me or is like some kind of like slightly different about Trey and the way he's being presented? Like he's, he's kind of shining a bit more. I, I, th- I feel he thinks he has a lot to prove now. Um, mm. knowing that he he left they they gave him a pretty big farewell and now he's back and it's it's not that long he was only off a yeah. month or two um but i think the actual break kind of makes him seem like a bigger deal and he definitely has been coming in with a lot of fire i i, I think i think this guy needs to be put in the actual world title picture very soon um because mm. i i kind of feel he's above the x division now 
There's this beautiful locomotive Northern Light suplex from Alexander, but when he goes for the second one, Davari breaks it up, but he manages to suplex both men, which look very cool. He goes into the ankle lock, but there's on Ace Austin, but there's a 450 from Blake Christian, which breaks it up. But in breaking it up, he lands on Ace Austin's leg. So Austin is now in the face of his partner, Blake Christian, mad that he kind of 450'd him. <laughs> Mac comes in hitting his cannonball and is standing moonsaults Christian. Uh, just like any tag match in Impact Wrestling, this is where the referee just completely loses control and doesn't try to, to follow the rules at all. All the men are in there just getting in their stuff. Blake Christian hits an awesome looking Tope Con Hilo. There's a springboard flatliner to Trey, but it's kicked out. Trey's draped on the top rope and Christian goes for another 450, but Trey moves out the way and then locks in the, I think Stryker called it the hourglass submission, which uh, unfortunately they don't show replays. And I kind of didn't quite get what this move was, but it it looked sort of like a figure four, but then he was applying pressure to the arms as well. Looked pretty, pretty good. And Trey picks up the win for his team in 12 minutes, 54 seconds. Yeah, man. So, do do you because you see, you know, that because uh, I I feel I feel like they should go all in with Ace Austin, but at the same time, I could kind of see them rocking with Trey, you know, since he, you know, he's kind of the 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 hat went out of the group as far as momentum goes. Uh, but I, I do agree with you that he should be in the world title picture. But like seeing Trey get this win, it kind of make me think like, ah, you know, may, may, maybe they might just be, you know, about to put the X division title on Trey. You never know. But it, it it was kinda cool seeing uh Sean Davari here too, because I know on the um the February tenth episode of uh MLW Fusion he's gonna be wrestling as well. So it was kinda cool to see him, you know, quote unquote double duty. Uh, you know, because he's gonna be on uh Fusion tomorrow. Right, with you. Um yeah, I I think looking at this, I know the big win before the pay-per-view normally means you're not gonna win, but I would go with Trey here. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is a number one contenders match, by the way, this revolver. Right. So this will face the winner of TJP and Rohit Raju. Um, I could see Trey Miguel Rohit perhaps as being the direction. Um, I personally think Ace Austin needs to graduate now and he's already flirted with that world title picture. I think that's where he should be. Um, I think Blake Christian looks like a great addition to this X division and with the likes of uh, him and uh, the other guys you got here, Chris Bay, Suicide, I would say Trey Miguel wins this for an X Division shot and you move Ace Austin up to the main event scene. That's that's how I see it. Dave, I want to ask you something. So do, do you think um, Rich Swan being of smaller stature compared to you know, Moose, do you think having a world champion that, and it's just professional wrestling in general, just you're curious about your opinion. Do you think having a smaller world champion kind of opens that door and makes it easier for people to buy into those matchups as far as like having another small competitor challenge for the world title opposed to like, let's say if Moose was a challenger, you would probably think like, oh, maybe that X Division guy can't challenge for the title. Do you think it's like a kind of a subconscious thing that now we have, or we've had a, a champion who's not 6'3 or 6'4 to you know and, and now we kind of you know you can see trey challenging for a world title you can see ace austin challenging for the world title you think it's kind of like that subconscious way of thinking yeah i i i don't mind a smaller guy going for the world title but i feel once you have challenged for that that should be kind of the division you're in 
Like mm. you, you see it in New Japan. Like we're we're all kind of waiting for Hiromu to graduate <laughs> and be a, a heavyweight, right? But he's right. still in that juniors division. We've seen the likes of Omega and and Osprey move up. And I think once you're in that mix of heavyweights, you kind of need to stay there. And that's kind of my issue with Ace Austin, Chris Bay, and Trey Miguel, is we've seen them in the world title mix before. So, and then, as you said, when you've got a smaller champion, it just seems that both these titles are kind of interchangeable Mm. a bit. So I don't mind smaller guys going for that top title, but I think once you're in that picture, that's where you should kind of stay. I agree. Um, I enjoyed this match, though. I think one of our criticisms, uh, one of the criticisms John and I had last week was how short every match was. And we we kicked the show off here with a like a 13-minute match, no interruptions. Um, and it got really good as the match got going. Um, this is what I like. I thought this was a pretty hot opener to the show. Yeah, I 100% agree. I, I, I remember... Uh... When we, t- when we, when me and you, uh, me, you and Nate, we were kind of laughing about how Impact had like a, uh, a, a, a kind of string of, of, of not having hat openers to start their show. And we oh, were kind yeah. of, uh, making jokes about that. So it was cool to see this match, you know, and it was, it, it, it was a good match, man. It was good length and, you know, it was a good, great way to start the show. After the match, Sammy Callahan shows up on the screen and congratulates Trey Miguel on his win. He says, that's very impressive. But how long will it be until you flake on us again? You mm. ain't got the passion and you will flake out again. You might as well save us all the embarrassment and quit now. Um, I'm not the biggest Sammy Callahan fan in the world, but I think for a lot of the time I've been watching Impact, he's been feuding with these brawlers. And I feel the idea of him versus Trey Miguel f- seems very fresh. And I, I like the direction this is going. Yeah, I, I definitely liked um, Sammy called him out on flaking out on Impact. I, I really liked that. That was a nice little bit of you know re- reality dumped in in there. And uh, I, I, I wonder where they'll go with this. Like it kind of like like I, I know initially I was thinking when Trey got the win, I was like, oh yeah, Trey probably gonna win the number one contendership. But they, it, it might be something with Sammy uh, coming out of no surrender. That's that's very true. It, it does seem like this is the next program. So perhaps you do go with. Ace Austin, or maybe a, a complete outsider like a Blake Christian. We get our first video package of birthday messages to Tommy Dreamer, who's turned <laughs> 50, and we get messages from pretty much the entire Impact roster here. And it finishes with Scott Demore, who says that Terry Funk showed the way that a 50-year-old can still win the championship and therefore go and follow your dream, Tommy. That takes us to our next match from the knockouts division. Kimberly being accompanied to the ring by Diana Parazzo and Susan taking on ODB, who returned to Impact last week. Uh, obviously, I, I didn't join you last week when ODB made her return. So what are your thoughts on ODB and rejoining the Impact roster? Uh, Obviously, she's an Impact vet, you know. You hear all these great things about her as far as like, you know, what she adds to the locker room and just her hype level and, you know, always just being active. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's a positive thing. But like as far as the in-ring stuff, uh, you know, it like it, it, it could, she can be used to, you know, help, I guess, you know, br- bring some variety to the division. Maybe. I don't know how much, but I mean, it's something different, I, I, I guess. I wasn't like really too into this match. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure you uh 
we'll, we'll get into that. But it was like it was it was a, it was a, it, was a, it was a bit long. This uh, this one here. Yeah. So the match starts with Kimber. Lee grabbing her chest like ODB does and tries to do the chest bump on ODB, but to no effect. ODB then does the chest bump and immediately knocks down Kimberly. Uh, at one point, ODB's on the turnbuckle, but gets knocked off face first into the mat. Kimber tries a body scissors and we go to commercial break. After commercial, ODB hits a pretty weak looking Bronco Buster, which Kimberly kicks out of. We get a spinning roundhouse from Kimber, followed by a sidewalk slam. She goes to the top rope, but gets slammed off. That's when Susan gets on the apron to distract the ref. Deonna on the other side tries to get involved, but Jazz and Jordan Grace run out to take her out. At one point, Susan throws a shoe. Who throws a shoe? At Deonna and ODB dives off the apron to take them both out. As she gets back into the ring, she's rolled up by Kimberly. And in 12 minutes, 24 seconds, Kimberly picks up the win. Um, I like that this got time. I, I like that they're going for longer matches this week. But there wasn't a whole lot to this. I thought yeah. at times it looked quite slow. Some of the moves look quite sloppy. I often think Kimberly's kicks look great. And here they they weren't quite connecting as well as they usually do. And then we get the, the typical kind of distraction finish. I... I hate roll-up finishes. I, I go on about this all the time. But I don't believe that, especially someone the size of ODB, can be surprised for three seconds without kicking out. Like, without being kind of smacked in the head or, or something before then. It was just a distraction and a roll-up. Uh, I just think it's a really weak finish. And we seem to see this every week. And I, we seem to see it every week with Susan and Deonna, just these interferences and or dqs and it's not the only one we're going to get tonight but this didn't really click for me andrew yeah so like i mean I'm, of course i'm glad that they at least got time to work like i think that's always good but mm. like not, not not every match needs to be you know more than six or seven minutes or more than five minutes like you, you can get just as much done in a short match than you can a long match and i felt like it could have been more effective and to the point of David, it just got not not straight to the end, but like if it had just tightened it up and, and made it more compact. Yeah. We go to Swinger's Palace where we see Fala Bar who's trying to play Blackjack. Uh, you've got um, Johnny Bravo's the croupier and says that it's cash only at Swinger's Palace as Fala Bar tries to buy in with a, a cookie that's already been bitten into. So Johnny Swinger comes out and kicks out Fala Bar. Bar asks if he can have a loan and Swinger pulls out the stolen money. Yes, the same wad of cash that's been going around the locker room since those arm wrestles between Rhino and Hernandez. He tells the girls to go and take out Fala Bar. And as Fala Bar's leaving, Bravo grabs the cookie and keeps it as Fala Bar screams, Not the cookie! Not the cookie! And Bravo decides during a global pandemic to bite into a half-bitten cookie. Mm -hmm. um, and Swinger finishes by asking Alicia Edwards if she's single, which uh, I, clearly he hasn't been watching the show for <laughs> the last few years. Um, typical kind of lower card comedy segment here. Uh, what did you make of it? Uh, not not much. I, I was just, I was about to make a joke about how I can't wait for um, Alicia Edwards to win the Impact Knockouts Championship so we can do a podcast together, Davey. 
<laughs> oh boy, don't, don't, don't even put that in the universe, Andrew. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I do feel that they've started to kind of cut down the length of these like backstage comedy segments. There was a point in the summer where the whole show seemed to be taken up by like Johnny Swinger's antics and the the kind of Wrestle House crew. Um, but that being said, there wasn't anything particularly funny in this. Uh, it kind of goes to what you were saying about the last match. You can you can cut it down in time, but you just you want the content to be good, and there there wasn't really anything here for me. Yeah, I, I was I was going uh, I was going to give you your props on some because I remember when, uh, when I, this was before the this podcast name Deep Impact on me and you just reviewed just reviewed the show and I remember you told me uh some some along the lines of like yes yeah, swing swinger is funny but like after a while it kind of gets like eh and like now now I kind of see what you're talking about like and you you didn't say it wasn't like not funny still it's just like after a while after seeing it. You know quite a few times it kind of gets like okay you know what i'm saying and I, I was kind of getting that that thing with swinger here tonight and i still think he's funny but it's like it's not as funny as it was in you know the prior weeks i feel he works better when he's with more serious characters as yes. well yes you know um i think when you've got all these characters that they're trying to make comedic that they've been trying for the last few weeks to make alicia edwards a comedy character johnny bravo's obviously a comedy character they're trying it with fuller bar and it just it feels diluted and therefore Swinger just seems like another comedy character with these guys. Whereas I do think he's he's usually funnier. Um mm. but this this unfortunately was a bit of a miss. We go backstage where Susan is with Diona Parazzo and Kimberly, and she's furious. She's saying it was chaotic out there, it was not good. Diona convinces her that Jazz and ODB are nothing to worry about. And they're just trying to live out their glory days. But Susan's not having it and she says that she needs to talk to the manager. She wants to talk to manager and she wants a six knockouts tag match added to no surrender. So she goes off to get the match made and Diona and Kimberly don't seem too happy about it. And it is confirmed later that night that at no surrender, we will get Diona Perazzo, Kimberly and Susan taking on Jazz ODB. And Jordan Grace. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I feel like Diona hasn't had a singles program for that title for a while. D- David, I know me and you. Me and you literally just talk about it. It's it's time, bro, for the crossover. Like she needs an opponent from AEW, like somebody fresh. I feel that's what it must be because they've only got Jordan Grace built up to that level so far to take on. On Diona, unless you end up doing the eventual turn and you have Kimberly challenge, but she doesn't seem on that level. It really feels like Jordan Grace and Diona Prado are kind of an, an island of their own in this division. So I'm completely with you. I would have uh, maybe for was it Rebellion? Is that the next mm. big big pay for you? Yeah. Um, maybe we can get one of the uh, AEW women over, or at least for like a TV feud or something. Something. Something, but I agree with you, man. Like, uh, like you said earlier, Anna J, Tay Conti, some, like some, somebody, man. Like may, may, maybe not the, the 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 top the top of the top of the charts as far as AEW's women's division goes, but somebody you can bring in for a full week program or pay per view that you know people will be interested in. Big Swole, you know what I'm saying? Like it, like some somebody who isn't regularly featured on Dynamite who can you know again use those reps and you know come in for a, a nice program with Diana. 
What's do you know uh, Chris Statlander's status? She must be like so. So back she, she soon, right? Yeah. So she's been doing. She she did quite a few interviews like late 2020, and she's been saying like kind of the same thing. All good things, of course, that she's just you know work, working it out. You know, torn ACL, I believe. I was, you know, that's I'm pretty sure we all know that's something real difficult to come from, especially mm-hmm. when you in professional wrestling. So I mean, well, just from hearing her and you know from the interviews that she did, she just seemed like she was progressing and just taking it a day at a time. But you know, I, I think she should be back. You know, some some sometime soon. Like I would say before the summer maybe like around that time maybe may or some along those lines oh rishi's saying that she's been in being the elite recently so yeah uh, she, she must be almost ready to come back but yeah I, that would be someone i'd be interested in sending over and as you mentioned big swole i think is is a quite a big name in AEW who's not doing anything so right. <laughs> i feel she'd be good uh, and also got a great personality so she's absolutely someone who could could get a big kind of title feud out Deonna and make it interesting. We go to the ring where cousin Jake comes out. Uh, yeah. He's still got his Dina's uh, like Dina family, Titan Tron. It even says Cody Dina at one point on the to- Titan Tron. He comes out, gets on the mic and says, I thought I had it all figured out. And then I was betrayed. Now I see there's another path and I could be with my family again. I can be with my family again, but it's not the way I thought it would be. And that's when Violent by Design comes out. Eric Young says, you've had time to think about this and I can see that you start to understand what's going on. Every fibre of your being is telling you what the right answer is. Open your eyes and see the truth and be the real you, the best version of Jake. This is the moment where you take ownership and control and take back your life. So this has been the story over the last couple of months where Cody Dina turned his back on his cousin Jake to join Eric Young and form Violent by Design. And over the last couple of weeks, they've been trying to recruit Jake. And this was the big answer this week. So Jake is left in the ring and he's thinking, ah, do I join my cousin, but kind of turn to the dark side or do I go on my own? So Jake takes off his vest, his kind of Dina style vest and throws it to the mat. He's holding the Violent by Design towel So he's indicating that he's going to join them. But then he says, they say, if you don't stand for something, you haven't fought for anything. Well, I stand for something. I stand for Jake something. And he throws the towel at Dina, jumps Dina, but then gets attacked by Violent by Design, who beat him down. They place a steel chair around his neck and... Eric Young's going to... No, I think it's uh, Joe Doring is going to stomp on it. But Dina gets them to stop. And he says, uh, he, he says, stop, I want to do this. So Eric Young says, okay, this is a family business. You made the wrong choice, Jake. And at no surrender, it will be Dina versus Jake something. Uh, big, thoughts big, on big this? Big pop, Davey. Big pop on the, on the out. I stand for Jake something. That was... That was Chef's kiss right there. Me, I know me and you've been talking about it for a minute. He, th- th- this should have happened a long time ago, but I'm kind of glad it happened. Like, where's happened? So he's gonna get his big singles 
re-debut, I guess is what you could call it, uh, you know, as uh, under Jake something. So hopefully he'll have new theme music. Uh, go back to his, I guess, the, the attire that he wears on the independent scene. Like, like dude, Jake something is a star. I think we can all see it. Like, got the look, got the move set. He can move for a big guy. Literally got everything. So it's good to see that this is finally happened after weeks of trying to uh, will this into will this into uh, into existence verbally. Yeah, I I really think he needs to win this as well. I don't want to. You, you can always have Dina win by cheating and that, but I I feel Jake should be the project here, and I think you just give him a big win. And I really hope these two kind of tear it down because I, I think. Uh, but we both see something in Jake. Here, I thought his promo was okay. I liked kind of the, I liked the lines. I liked the whole, uh, if you don't stand for something, um, <laughs> you're not fighting. Well, I stand for something. I, I thought that was a great line. I could have done with maybe a bit more kind of conviction in his voice right. for it. But this is a guy that I haven't seen do a great deal of promos. It tended to be Cody doing a lot of the talking. So... Uh, kind of the first time I've seen him do a, a big promo like this. And I, I thought he did a an all right job, but there's room to grow and hopefully he'll he'll get more comfortable in it as it goes on. But yes, seems like they're doing the right move here with this feud and it makes sense uh, to that, put on the pay-per-view. That that horse match with uh, Jake something and Joe Doring is definitely coming. That oh, is yeah. definitely coming. Absolutely. Which is why I feel he, yeah, he should win. He should beat. Dina and then Doring and then Young should be the kind of final boss, right? Yeah, of course. That, I think that's the the, the way to go. I, I was going to add, like, you, it was. I saw something funny uh, over the past couple of days. Somebody said that they they think um, Steve Cutler that just got released from WWE. They think he should uh, once his ninety day uh, non compete is up, he should join Impact and try to be a part of. Uh, the the violent by design, but I was like, dude, like he he legitimately looks exactly like Cody Deaner, so I don't think that's that that's gonna work at all. Like I like if you haven't seen these two dudes, like they look exactly alike. Steve Cutler looks like a bigger version of Cody Deaner, and I don't think that's gonna work out. So I don't I, I, that I don't think that's gonna do Cody any favors. But uh, yeah, yeah, J- Jake something and him and uh him and Cody had no surrender. I'm I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I I think they. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're going to go out there and try to deliver their best performance, but I think Jake something should get the win. And just like you said, he should go through Joe Doring and then Eric Young be the quote-unquote final boss to, you know, solidify himself and impact as a singles competitor. You're, you're right. I Steve Cutler looks just like Cody Dina now <laughs> with that shaved head. Uh, do you see Steve Cutler going to impact? I mean, obviously, Deonna's there. Um, do, do you see that being a thing? I, I could see that happen. I mean, you know, I'm pretty sure most people would want to be near their significant other, so you know, can you know, I get a nice, you know, be on the road with them uh, to a capacity, you know, travel with them, I guess. But yeah, uh, besides that, I, I could see him landed in impact. Uh, he, he, like, I, I think he has the benefit of not really being featured on WWE programming as often, so he kind of won't have that thing that. It's like hovering over Matt Cardona. Like he's like Matt Cardona's like always gonna be a WWE guy in the eyes of a lot of people, and I don't think that will happen to Steve Cutler because he wasn't featured prominently. Yeah, I feel Cutler's someone who would really benefit from an independent run. Mm. Because I do think he's uh kind of even in the Forgotten Sons, he's 
he was kind of the most forgotten one, you know, because you had you had Blake, who was part of Blake and Murphy, so you knew him from the tag team. Jackson Riker's obviously like quite impressive looking, like he stands out. Steve Cutler was always quite bland, and I feel I feel like an independent run would really help him. Whereas uh, I almost feel if if he were to go to Impact, it's kind of a name where people would just go, "Oh, Impact," they'll just take anyone who used to work for WWE you know mm. and I feel he kind of needs to prove himself a bit and fight discover himself a little bit more because Steve Cutler's been in the company in WWE for quite a few years now and can Bro, you say anything yes. about his character he he has been in WWE for a minute now like, a long time like I'm, I'm pretty sure most of like David you 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 know you covering you and Raiden covering Impact I mean, covering the NXT extensive, I'm pretty sure you guys have memories of Steve Cutler pre the Forgotten Sons when he was just an enhancement talent, basically, and you know, just the guy to you know get over the the, the bigger stars on the roster at the time. So it, it, he he's been with uh, WWE for a while. So I, I definitely think that you spot on in the fact that he should take on the independent scene before going to Impact because, like, like again, I agree. I think they're just gonna say, oh yeah, you know, another guy that just got released from WWE who Impact's willing to take. Yeah, just, just do spring break and do something ridiculous there, there and get your name out there and people will be like, whoa, Steve Cutler, what have we been <laughs> missing all these years? Wow. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I get, yeah, spring break's happening, isn't it? That's the, it the kind of breaking news coming out. Uh, yeah, I wonder what insane matches we're going to have announced for that this year. Um, I've still got my ticket from last year's that I never went to. <laughs> <laughs> We go backstage with Rohit Raju, who is calling out TJP. And he says, when I was X Division champion, you couldn't beat me. I gave you purpose and you had to turn to your monster, Manic. Well, now I have Shira to have my back. And there will be no mercy for you. And I will become two-time X Division champion. This was really short and sweet, but delivered perfectly hype you up for the match I, I thought this was a good kind of 30 second promo here from Rohit Ro- Rohit is the man bro he he's great man. he's really really come into his own this last year but I, I, I still don't know why they took the title off him like I, I, I still don't I think he should have had like a very lengthy run as as uh, Impact Exhibition Champion but I definitely think like j- just from his delivery and no of course this show is Tate but I mean you know just seeing his delivery and you know the the way that he's been presented on television over the past several weeks or so, uh, coming out of Hard to Kill. Like I, I definitely could see him, uh, you know, becoming a two time X Division champion. He's he's just very confident on the mic. He uh, kind of like I was saying about Jake something earlier, where he you can see it's not natural to him the speaking. Uh, Bro, mm-hmm. he is someone who's just a very natural talker, um, very good promo and proves himself in the ring he's put on some great matches in the last year or so so i'm with you i'd i'd put the title back on him i about to say david you want to know it's crazy I, like something just came to mind literally as you uh as you said that about rohit being comfortable on the mic i remember i interviewed him uh back in february of 2020 it's, yeah, it's almost to the day actually um i interviewed him and he was talking about how he just wished that impact i think this was at the time when he was either coming off of or still in Desi his squad, and he was just like he just wished that Impact would just 
noticed the stuff that he was doing in the independent scene, like in AEW and, and, and various other promotions, and just like watch him on the mic, and that would just immediately spark an idea in the brain to just give him an open mic on Impact TV. And he was like, just he, we, me and him had a whole like 30 minute discussion about how he just wished that he could have the opportunity to, you know, freely speak on Impact and just like Impact just cut him loose and just like let him go. And like it's kind of cool to see a full year later, he, even though he, you know, he was doing, he, you know, he kind of got that opportunity in, in the summer of 2020. It's kind of cool to see like a four year later, like he's kind of kind of kind of spoke spoken into existence as far as like what he wanted. And it's like fully happening now. And he's like he's killing it. 100%. And, I, you know, I would give a lot of credit to Scott Damore because he's a character who is very good on the mic and can do the bantering with the heels really well. And mm-hmm. I think you watched Rohit improve so much with all his dealings with Damore going back and forth. I'd say the same with the likes of kind of Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles, as we see later. He Damore just can really get that extra something out of the heels and go back with them to kind of give them fuel. Um, yeah, I, I think he's kind of a bit of an unsung hero in Impact Wrestling uh, when it mm-hmm. comes to promos and stuff. We go to Tony Khan and Tony Schiavone, one of our favorite segments every week. They are stood in the middle of the TIA Stadium field uh, for Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, Tony Khan is wearing this, like, bomber jacket with the Jaguars all over it. It looked really nice. I want this jacket. About to say with the biggest smile on his face, Tony Carla, he is such, like he's the character. Tony, he's such an a hole, bro. Like he's, <laughs> it's every week. He's did. Did you catch last week with drunk Tony, drunk emotional no, I, Tony? I, I, I did. I, I did not see that. You, I, I gotta go see that, Andrew. You gotta go back and watch this. It's it's him and Tony Schiavone drinking pina coladas out of a coconut and. Uh, Tony Khan is just kind of slurring his words and saying that he makes emotional decisions. Uh, it was very, very funny. But here he's wearing a very nice looking jacket and aviators, some sunglasses on the field at nighttime, just being a complete douche. <laughs> he says, last week we saw Kenta from New Japan Pro Wrestling attack Mox on Dynamite. The forbidden door has been opened. Goes, tell me, Shivani, what is the forbidden floor, the forbidden door? Well, I'll tell you. People keep asking me when the forbidden door will be open, and all along, I was the forbidden door. I've opened myself up for new experiences, and you know what? We got a great rating last week. So who knows who will show up next? The forbidden door has now been open. And then he uh, runs down tomorrow's Dynamite, including the Falls Count Anywhere match between Omega and Kenta taking on Mox and Archer. We've got Darby <laughs> Allen versus Janela for the TNT title. Jericho and MJF versus The Acclaimed. Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson taking on Pre- Pretty Peter Avalon and Caesar Bononi. Puck versus Ryan Nemeth. An interview with Sting and Layla Hirsch versus Thunder Rosa in the first round of the Women's Eliminator Tournament. Uh, Khan finishes by saying, Kenny, I have to say thank you to you and Don Callis for everything you've done. You've changed me and opened me up. You've opened up the forbidden door 
Let's do this every week. I can't wait. I'm going to show you, Impact, that the forbidden door opens both ways and I'll be back in Nashville. So, yeah, just openly talking about the uh, forbidden door here and quite heavily hinting we're going to see a lot more crossovers in the next few weeks. Yeah, I, I definitely think Tony Khan got some, you know, he, he has some stuff up his sleeve. Like, because I remember he said back in, what was that, November? He was like, yeah, I got some aces up my sleeve or something along those lines. And, you know, I, like, I, at, at first I was kind of like, you know, he's a promoter. You know, why wouldn't he say that? But obviously, he, you know, because he got some things in his back pocket. So, and but Davey, uh, can you imagine hearing that, that, that uh, main event match on Dynamite? In, in 2018 like just even hearing the thought of that like Kenny Omega and Kenta versus John Moxley formerly Dean Ambrose and Lance Archer like that is <laughs> this like, <dude. laughs> yeah the, the, everything is so bizarre um at the moment <laughs> that watching that um last man standing match from the Royal Rumble and there's a bit where you see Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns climbing over screens of fans in the crowd and like hitting each other and you think just show this visual to me two years ago and i'd have gone what the fuck happened like it's so surreal and then you're right just seeing all these these matches so yeah dean ambrose against kenta and kenny like essentially it's it's bizarre but i'm very much looking forward to tomorrow's dynamite they didn't quite get their digs in this week. This wasn't quite as funny as as previous weeks, but I did like the uh, the kind of promise that we're going to be seeing more crossovers and more crazy things happening coming up. Yeah, you, I, I kind of like that they kind of scaled back on the digs a little bit. Like, it, like I, I, I like them, of course, but like I feel like it. it I don't, I don't think it like damages it. But I don't think anybody takes it like that seriously. Like as far as the digs go. But like I, I feel like it, it was kind of good to see like them not like completely trashing impact or impact showing impact not having any rebuttal at all. So I think that was kind of like you know some decent that they kind of scaled back on that. But I was gonna ask you, David, real quick, like seeing like all these partnerships, right? Like seeing uh, New Japan affiliated with AEW in some way, shape, or form through Kenta and John Moxley. Like, do you think it? Like, you think you could ever see? WWE getting to a point where they're like, all right, now, like, we, we, we got to jump in this somehow, some way, and get involved with somebody to make our product more interesting. You think WWE will always keep that door closed as far as allowing another promotion or another company access to their wide fan base or large fan base that they have obtained over the past however many years? Um. Under its current administration, no. All right. You know, uh, I I could see if it is like Triple H taking over eventually. Oh, yeah. I could oh, definitely yeah. sim- see him being interested because I think he's a bit of a, a wrestling nerd. You know, I, I think he, he loves is. his wrestling and would be interested in that kind of thing. But I think uh, I think Vince at this point doesn't. I mean, we've just had the earnings reports again and stuff and. You know, it's just a machine now. It doesn't really matter what the product is, I feel. Very true. And you've just got to look at the ratings and stuff like that. Um, I mean, there, there's been money on the table with the likes of, like, a New Day Elite crossover at some mm. point. That's been 
somewhat pitched, I believe, in the past, but nothing's ever come from it. I think it would make sense eventually, absolutely, some kind of crossover. And to to think they did it years ago with kind of New Japan, and I think they've crossed over with All Japan before, but back then you didn't have... You didn't have the internet where everything was so accessible. So you bring over like a big Japanese name to WWF back then. It means nothing to most fans. Whereas today you can just, if you were to bring over just off the top of my head, like an Okada, you can Mm. so easily see all of his work and see quite quickly how this is a big deal. Whereas in the 90s, it it wasn't so much the same. But I don't see it happening at the moment with, with Vince being in charge. But... I could see, like, in 10 years' time or whatever, a change in attitude for sure. Mm. We go now for... um, Sorry. Oh, the Good Brothers. The Good Brothers are backstage ahead of their tag team title defence against Chris Sabin and James Storm. Uh, Cole Anderson calls out Storm and Sabin and says they're the most decorated tag team wrestlers, but they're not the tag champs. They're not the Machine Gun and the Big LG you're not the good brothers. We're going to do our favourite thing in the world. Beat up Storm and Sabin. Gallows then says that tonight, Sabin and Storm, it's going to be the exact same thing that will happen to Private Party at No Surrender. It'll be a magic killer, a one, two, three, and a just too sweet. Um, standard good brothers promo here, but pretty good, I thought. Yes, yeah, standard good brothers promo. Uh, them... them, them. I, I, doing their little stick that they do, stick that they do, and you know, just just, just a good brothers promo. I think that's the best way to describe it. They've got it down by now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After a few years, yeah, they got it down. We go to our next match of the evening: Kira Hogan taking on Nevea. Now, Fire and Flavor, Kira Hogan and Tasha Steels are your knockouts tag team champions, having beaten Havoc and Nevea in the finals, but the feud has been continuing. You had Havoc beat Steels last week, and now we've got Kira Hogan taking on Nevaeh. So Kira Trey... So, so, so Dave, before, I would say before we get into it, I was going to ask you, have you seen uh, any of the... the well, I, I wouldn't even call it a back and forth, but uh, Kira's... Um, her, 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 her subtle shots at uh, Sasha Banks. Or them, I, them, them having their little... Well, I, I can't even call it an exchange because I haven't seen anything from Sasha Banks but I was just in, I was like have you seen any of that on Twitter I have it I literally heard about it just before Impact started tonight um uh, like they were calling her out on Instagram live or something was the last so, I heard so so I had saw a couple of tweets about it so I just you know you just easily just search both of their names on Twitter and then you know some would come up and I had saw like a 30 second clip uh of Kira and Tasha Kira and yeah Kira and Tasha talking about the situation Sasha Banks or their their issue with her and it, like basically from like what I took from it they they met Sasha a few times and apparently Sasha's not a a pleasant person to deal with in person from what I took and they are not fond of her and you know Kira kind of mentioned some about uh, Sasha not being uh, completely I, I guess like transparent and open about her depression and mental health like how Kiara is very open with her fans about it like kind of compared you know that 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 was kind of something I you know that was kind of like mm, like I, I guess kind of weird like to compare like you know mental health struggles and how people 
take those things and you know speak about it publicly but you know that's their business at the end of the day but yeah it, it just seemed like they just weren't that fond of Sasha Banks at all like you know she she specifically mentioned that they met or they ran into each other a few times and I'm, I'm from from what they say that Sasha Banks is not a pleasant person to interact with hmm I I mean I, I'm not denying anything if that's what they believe then fine but I don't see what Kira Hogan gains by making that public you know yeah it's yeah it's like it's, it's like especially if the other person not responding bro it's like ah, just just let it go (laughs) like surely akira hogan has bigger dreams than impact wrestling right of course like why would you go for why would you go after someone who's probably going to main event one of the wrestlemanias this year you know like that could close one of the nights and you think okay we're going to go for one of the biggest stars in the company so what what are you going to achieve from it just looking through the I'm looking on Twitter now, like all the comments are pretty unfavorable towards Kira right now. And I, I love Kira. I think she's great. And I think she should absolutely be in a WWE or AEW one day, but I don't see how this helps anyone. It it, it doesn't do anything. Like it, it, it especially makes like just in any social media interaction. Like if, if you continuously go at whoever and then they, they don't respond to you or give you any type of, acknowledgement like it and you continue to try to you know go into that it, it just doesn't look good and then considering that you know they could be um you know colleagues one day you just never know like i don't you know i don't think that's something you want to come into a company with if she is if she is indeed you know you know she she might want to ride it out with impact but i mean you never know what could happen in four or five years from now like so i don't, I don't think that would be a a favorable thing to come into a company where one of their biggest stars is, you know, you got an issue with them off the bat and it's already public, you know, WWE doesn't need her. That that's the thing. <laughs> like, I, I <laughs> think she's great and I think she'd do great there, but they don't need her. So why, why would you put someone in your, on your roster? Who's going to ruffle the feathers of one of your top stars? It, right. It makes no sense to me. And th- this isn't the, this is the first time either. I think this has happened quite a few times in the past like these comments so yeah it's uh like like you said i don't think it's doing anybody any favors i wonder how much of it i mean they're quite similar character wise i'd say um and even look with the blue hair and stuff i i wonder how much is just it it just looks like kira's going after a better version of herself you know (laughs) Like, like the you think it's more of the like for real, for real i think what it is like more sort of the social media thing you know like people like 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 it like i remember the first the first time like recently i've seen of this back and forth with like i guess they had like similar outfits on a show i'm like right <laughs> like I, like you can't get mad at something like if i see somebody walking on the street with the same jeans as me you know what i'm saying <laughs> it's like what you like <laughs> you know what i'm saying like it's, for it's, sure yeah it's, it's, it's not that big a deal but you know everybody takes stuff differently but like the only thing i didn't agree with from that video was kind of like comparing like how people publicly or not publicly talk about their mental health issues i'm like i, I don't think that's you know what i'm saying i don't, I don't think that's that, that's not it i don't think you go there if you got an issue with somebody like you want you know just keep, keep it within the confines of what it is but like when you start talking about how people need to be more open about their mental health or you know stuff like that i don't think that that's not cool for sure absolutely 
Well, we go to the match and Kira is trying to choke Nevaeh with her boot in the corner. She misses a roundhouse kick and uh, kind of rolls through and gets a kick to the chest from Nevaeh. Nevaeh face plants Kira for a two. She connects with the roundhouse and follows up with a quite weak looking cover that the commentary team pull up on uh, for only a two count. There's a suplex counter to a roll up for a two from Kira. The STO from Nevaeh. And that's when Tasha Steeles gets on the apron and Havoc is with the ref trying to get the ref to see what's going on. The ref turns around to see Tasha hit a code breaker to Nevaeh and Nevaeh wins via DQ in 5 minutes 44. I am done with these four women. Yeah, <laughs> they, 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 I know me and you again. This is another thing. Like, it's kind of crazy. Like, I, I know I've said quite a few times, even during this show, that me and you have talked about some in the past because we, we indeed have. Like, we've said like even weeks ago, like it was time to maybe even involve another team in this to yeah. kind of have somebody to fall, fall back on in terms of like after the the, the eventual tag title match, which which they've announced uh, for. No surrender being Kira and Tasha versus uh Nevaeh and Havoc. Like I th- I think I think this would have been a good time to maybe yeah to introduce another team into this so they can have like a fallout team uh coming out of the coming out of the Impact Plus show. Like I, I it, 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 this this whole thing between them, I, I think it started good as far as uh Kira and Tasha picking up a win in the finals of the knockout tag title tournament and then we had the you know the, the the fire and flavor fest that was uh less than enjoyable, and then uh you know it 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 just hasn't progressed well, and I, and I think they just need to for all party's sake just need to move on and you know find the next thing. This has been going on since the summer. This feud, yeah. <laughs> it's been going on so long, and the matches have got worse. I think that I I thought again. I thought this was kind of sloppy in places here, and then just the most obvious DQ finish. It was just so lazy, the the way yep. they finished this match. 5 minutes 44, again, you've just got another distraction DQ finish on the show. It it wasn't good. Yeah, say, Dave, I was going to ask you, when you, when you like, when this match started, did you kind of get the same feeling as, like, oh, this is probably going to end up no, uh, DQ uh, bleeding into uh, a, a title match being set up and no surrender? 100%. You, you, you know it's going to happen. It, it's paint by numbers at this point. You you see where it's going. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't think the body of the match was particularly good either, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, that's uh, we'll get to it later, but that match is set. Uh, let's just go over that segment now because it's the same bit. Fire and Flavor knock on Scott Demore's office and they say that they have an issue with the official Brandon Toll um, because... Steele's lost to Havoc last week when Brandon Toll was ref and Kira lost to Nevaeh this week. So Scott Demore says, oh, well, that's that's fine. Um, we won't have Brandon Toll be the referee in your match against Havoc and Nevaeh at no surrender. And Scott slams the door on them. So it's official. They've both lost to Havoc and Nevaeh over the last few weeks. So obviously they get a title match and Brandon Toll won't be the ref. Davey, I, I, I see what you mean. Like by when you say uh, Scott DeBoer, he's very good at interacting with heels. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it similar. He gets a bit more animated than William Regal, but I think Regal's very good at it as well. And 
back in the early 2000s, Mick Foley, when he was the commissioner, I thought he was always <laughs> great. Uh, and it, I'd say characters like Kurt Angle and Edge and Christian, Foley got a lot out of. He got them to that place by just going back and forth with them. So, yeah, you could definitely see it with Damore here. Yeah, 100%. We go to celebrate Tommy Dreamer's birthday with some more video <laughs> messages. But this time... It's from the AEW roster. It starts with MJF and Jericho just lounging in their room. Uh, MJF says, hey, Tommy Dreamer, you worthless piece of shit. Happy birthday. Um, Taz wishes him luck in his upcoming world title match. You have Arn and Tully wishing him well. Um, MJF says, there ain't no way you're winning that title on Saturday. Uh Matt Hardy's thanking him for all the things he's done for his career over the years. You got Nick Jackson wishing him a happy birthday. Eddie Kingston says he can't believe he made it to 50. Jericho Jericho says you can be like he who should not be named back in 2007 and 08. Another old wrestler who had held on way too long. Uh, But we have rules about that, Andrew. Uh, You've got Proud and Powerful wishing him a happy birthday. And then I think Jericho says, like, oh, I helped you get a job in WCW and WWE. And, well, now you're going to be champion. But it was quite cool seeing all the uh, AEW guys on Impact here. Man, Eddie Kingston got me. Like He he, he broke me on this one. I'm not going to lie. When he said that he can't believe Tommy made it to 50. And then when they cut back to Eddie... Uh, the, the, he, he looked like he was ready to walk off and then the camera was still on. He was like, are we done? He was like, I, he was like, you want me to keep putting him over? And then they, could, <laughs> and they just immediately cut the feet. That was hilarious, bro. Like, Eddie, Eddie Kingston is great. But yeah, this, this whole thing, uh, this whole stretch of people was, uh, I, I think it was a good mix. Uh, Matt, Matt, I, I think Matt Hardy, like, immediately insulted Tommy Dreamer, like, as soon as he started off. He called him, like, a piece of shit. And, like, <laughs> I was, I was like, God damn, like y'all y'all starting on a rough one, Dreamer, man. But you 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 can just tell like Dreamer's one of those dudes who just like beloved by everybody. You can tell he's well liked, everybody likes Dreamer. So that you you can just, you know, see it through this segment that people are, you know, willing to joke with dude and, you know, make these lighthearted jokes and stuff like that. Not even lighthearted, but some some some, some kind of cool jokes in there a little bit. But yeah, Dreamer's like, man, everybody knows that. Yeah, th- this is a, a segment I might go back and rewatch later because I, I think I missed a, a bunch of it. MJF was just ruthless with Dreamer <laughs> here. And yeah, the, the Eddie Kingston, just the camera kept rolling and he, you see him, he's such a good talker and he's like, no, I've said it all. I've got nothing else. Happy birthday, whatever. Come on. We go to the ring where we have AC Romero, Larry D, Tennille Dashwood and Caleb with a K. And Larry D says, we found someone to take care of Rosemary for us. Tennille says that Decay is an awful name for a team. It's that gross thing that grows on your teeth, is it not? She says, a dentist is what they need. Take Mm -hmm. a look at this team. um, And then, come no surrender, no one is insane enough to team with you. Caleb says that he's not wrestling at no surrender, but he will have a match tonight and calls out any member of decay um let's i i feel we should read into that dentist line no, that, 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 that's why that's why i made the same i was like was i the only one that was thinking that i was like or was i looking too much into it i, I just feel it's when you've got this crossover and we yeah. know 
there's a famous dentist who works for the other team. It it kind of seemed, it kind of seems that's where they're going. And also, I I kind of can see Britt Baker and Tennille Dashwood being right. some sort of team. That kind of makes sense to me, actually. Hey, Davey, what weren't um Britt and Tennille and Ring Ronda together at the same time? Oh, true. Yeah. Yes. I think I, I think so. It was Tennille after after Britt? I don't think. I think they were there at the same time. Wait, was I Tenille, think they were. I, was Tennille in that all out match? Sorry, all in match. Uh, no, she it, no? It, it was it was Chelsea, Madison Rain, Tessa, and that's Britt. right, and Britt. Okay, and, but but I, Tennille was in Ring of Honor uh, in 2018. She was there. Hmm. So yeah, she, okay, so yeah, maybe. They, they, they had to be. The only issue is um, uh, Rosemary doesn't like Ty is gone now, so it's mm-hmm. just Rosemary and Steve. So I don't know where Britt would fit in, but it it that seemed like too big of a clue to just throw out there saying dentist, and they right, said it more I, than once as well. I think that'd be a good match. Sorry, what uh, Rosemary versus Britt? Oh no, uh, Britt versus Tennille. I think I think like I, I I know that I know it could be either way like a it, if we if we are like looking deep into this like a, a tag team thing like maybe but I'm just saying like just on the singles front I think that'll be a solid match between them. Yeah, I agree, and I I think it's one of your bigger names in AEW to bring over, so it would have to be um, that would have to be a pay per view thing, I would think. Um, yeah, I, I feel Brits maybe a bit above some of the talent we've been saying should come over, but. I That's mean, big. if you're having Kenny cross over and you want a kind of main event woman, I, I'd say Britt uh, fits into that quite well. Mm. So Decay comes out and Rosemary says that we did find someone to team with us and it's past this person's feeding time. And out comes Black Taurus. Have I said that right? I, I thought it was just you, Black Taurus, but yeah, Black I, I, Taurus. I, yeah, you got it right. I got it right. Awesome. Triple A's Black Taurus. Yes, it's a man dressed as a bull, um, but a bit better than Mantar back in the day. Uh-huh. So it's Caleb with a K versus Black Taurus. Uh, Taurus hits this crazy looking Samoan drop, looked awesome, and then finished with this kind of spinning slam. It kind of Tour of the Islands-esque, it reminded me of, and picks up the win in 53 seconds. I thought Black Taurus looked awesome here, and... I, I wonder if this is a a permanent move to impact or just like a a, a couple of shows deal or whatever. But I, I thought he looked great here. Yeah, man. Uh, he really showed out. I think this is a good way to present him. Uh, the squash match. This is exactly what it needed to be. He needed to dominate. And I, I like I know me and you talked about it off air. Uh, we, we like we we both kind of like scratched our heads a little bit. We was like, is this his debut? And then we immediately remembered that he had uh been with Impact a couple years ago, uh when they were uh, taping out in Mexico. And they, Dave, it's kind of crazy, bro, because when you realize how interconnected all of these companies are, like AEW is working with AAA, obviously with Kenny Omega being the uh, the mega champion. Impact has a working relationship with AAA. Uh, Impact is working with AEW. Like it, it, it's it's kind of crazy, like how you know we we talk about this the forbidden doors and you know these connections so much but it's kind of crazy to realize how much of these companies are like interconnected with each other and how maybe that you know one company being tied to another has led to you know that door opening to another company working with another company like it's kind of crazy to think about 
Yeah, I, I think it's beneficial for everyone. And I, I think maybe companies are starting to see that the the best way to be able to compete, because WWE is still so ahead of everyone else. Yeah. The best yeah. way to compete is by everyone joining. And it's it's giving everyone exposure. It's gonna give kind of your your lesser wrestlers maybe a bigger payday and maybe can bump up what they're kind of owed on independence and things like that. Uh I, I think it's only a good thing. And um as you said, it's now what, triple A, NWA, um Impact, Impact. New Japan, AEW uh, whether we'll get Ring of Honor in there at some point as well, who knows? But yeah, I think it's only a good thing, and it makes it very exciting to be a wrestling fan. Yeah, I agree with you because it, it's pretty much anyone who's not in WWE. You go, well, there's a chance. There's a chance we could see this match, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty cool. We're backstage and we see Brian Myers still sporting his eye patch. And he gives Hernandez cash for helping him out on the attack last week of Matt Cardona and uh, Eddie Edwards. Uh, Hernandez says that um, he's kind of mad that it's now there's now been this tag match made and he wants to be paid the money up front. Myers says that he'll give him half of the cash now and half after they win the tag match. And then we see Falabar who is looking on in the distance as he needs money to gamble with. So it looks like we're going back to Hernandez with a wad of cash that's going to be passed around, I guess. Um, this story, yeah. What What is with all this money in Impact? I, Man, they really I can't be paying these wrestlers well. <laughs> David, you, do you remember when me and you uh, talked about the, the, um, the kind of backstage segment that father had with brian myers when when i said that i liked how father kind of showed like some intensity in his promo and he right. like sounded real serious i was like dude come on like how do you go from that to him immediately going right back into the comedy thing like I, and, and i'm not saying the characters can't have different layers of course but like i was like damn like father was like really starting to like I, I was like really starting to get interested in father and then now i'm seeing him like he chasing around with his damn water cash that's been floating around for Lord knows how long and been in how many pockets in a pandemic and people have touched it or everybody didn't touch the water cash. I'm just joking. But like, um, yeah, man, I, I was, uh, I, I was kind of disappointed, like just seeing like how father had that really, really good segment with Brian Myers. And then like how he kind of just like immediately transitioned right back into the comedy phase. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. It's uh, I think this is kind of death for anyone who's in this story when it comes to this money thing. I'm I'm just looking. So this original feud over the money, and I guess this is new money now because this is now Maya's money that he's paying <laughs> Hernandez. But this original feud started with Rhino and Hernandez. They had their match. So bear in mind, this story already started before this, but they had this match for this wad of cash. July 14th last year and it's now February and we're still we're still doing this it's seven months this story's been going long-term storytelling guys long-term storytelling Davey (laughs) right right on the head brother we go to our main event of the evening James Storm and Chris Sabin the beer guns if you will taking on the Good Brothers for the Impact Tag Team Championship. 
Uh, the match starts with the beer guns making very quick tags and they isolate Anderson and are double teaming Carl Anderson for a long, long time. Gallows tries to come in at one point, but they send him right to the outside with double clotheslines. Uh, Anderson eventually rakes the eyes of Sabin and manages to make the tag to Gallows. And that's when we see the Hardy Party, Matt Hardy with Private Party, coming out to the stage to observe the match as they're going to be taking on the winners at No Surrender. Storm gets tagged in and has a great hot tag. Um, for a guy this size, this this guy can move pretty quick and hits a nice looking tilt-a-well leg scissors. And that's when we get interference number three of the night. Private Party interfere, causing the DQ... So Chris Sabin and James Storm win in 12 minutes, 10 seconds. Um, I was surprised. I I wasn't surprised by the DQ finish because I think that's to become expected in TV wrestling <laughs> these days. But I kind of thought the, the body of the match was a bit dull. And I, I thought we'd get a bit more out of these guys. That, you know, that, that's interesting because I, I felt like it, it started to pick up maybe a little bit like right around the time when the, the, the dq interference exactly. happened like i like i i, I don't like i was kind of getting into it a little bit and i like when party party interrupted i was like damn really like you interrupted there like but i mean you, you know but like i, I kind of figured like once they came down it was probably going to be something along those lines where a dq finished um and, and it, you know james Lord and chris saban were going to be added to this match because i mean I, like, i'm pretty sure like the private party's not getting pinned they're not taking a pin in this. Right, okay. So, they, yeah, so James Storm and Chris Davis, well, one of them are getting pinned for sure. But I, I think it's either going to be, yeah, I think the Good Brothers are going to retain Impact, Pins Impact. And I, I don't think Private Party is going to end up winning the uh, the, the Impact Tag Team Championships. No, I, I think it's a bigger story having the Good Brothers because of the whole Bullet Club connection. I think you need to keep the titles on them. Um mm. I, I was with you. I, I really got into kind of James Storm's hot tag, and that was the most interesting part of the match. And then it it fell apart with the DQ. But there was too much of just feeling each other out. I thought, which if you're going to go to the DQ finish, I kind of want the the body of the match to be entertaining. And I didn't think it really got there. So it, it, I about to say, like you, you want to know it's funny because you you literally said that she was like Impact goes to DQ finishes a lot, and like as we as we ran through this show, they really do. Oh yeah, it's it's three matches tonight. Was either like a DQ or a distraction or something. It was too much, too much. We go backstage where Matt Hardy is congratulating Private Party. Uh, says once again, I'm going to put a bounty on those belts. And they go, whoa, 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 whoa. And he goes, I mean bonus, I mean bonus. Tony Khan doesn't like the term bounty. I'm going to put a bonus. Going to give you a bonus once you win those belts. He says, uh, now you've eliminated those guys you can focus on uh the good brothers for this saturday but scott demore comes in and says uh now that you've cut in line you don't have to be worried about storm and sabin interfering they're not going to interfere on saturday because they're going to be in the match it's now a three-way dance for the titles on saturday and matt hardy looks furious and just goes great job guys sarcastically so you think storm and sabin have been added to take the pin you were saying oh yeah oh yeah i definitely think they go to so i think well because you like okay so it's it's a it's a lot of ways i'm thinking like my mind was kind of going like three different ways just now 
I like how I think this could turn out. I think may, like I think there's a a chance that Private Party could win the Impact Tag Team Championships by pinning Storm and uh, Saban mm. and maybe doing some type of rematch. Uh, on the or, or, or maybe they do something along the lines of just wanting the that that private party good brothers match to happen on a episode of dynamite or in a big AEW show maybe to kind of spotlight impact more on a on a bigger stage per se to have that tag title match and like maybe we see good brothers pick up a win over Saban and storm and then they you know play it up how you know oh you never pinned us you never actually beat us so how about you put those titles on the line against us in a traditional tag team match and we get that on the dynamite or we get that at the next uh impact takers okay yeah i i could totally see that um i i wonder i think that there's actually some fun to be had as well by having private party lose this um it depends how you tell the story after but that would be the first I think first impact win over AEW um, mm. if they get pinned. And I think, I feel private party can like, I don't think it will kill them to have them no, lose. They, they'll be all right. They'll be all right. It's not like they're winning every week on Dino. They're not the young bucks, you know, like, mm. but I think it could be quite fun back on AEW TV. Them kind of being a bit of a butt of the joke of the locker room. It's like, pff, you lost it impact you know and i think it could actually cement their heel turn even more and get them be a bit more vicious because out of embarrassment perhaps mm. um but yeah i think this will actually be a better match for it um i i like carl anderson i don't think anyone gets particularly too excited about gallows ring work um private party are good but they still show like greenness at times so i think having storm and sabin in there i think it will make the match um, a lot smoother, and then you can have private parties show off with their their kind of exciting moves in there. Uh, I, I think it will be a much better match actually now, being the three way. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think the three way addition is a nice the, the 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 addition of the third team is a nice touch to the match, and uh, they they got quite a few possibilities uh, coming out of that. We go to the contract signing for the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, we have Scott Demore officiating this tommy dreamer the challenger rich swan uh the champion and there's recently we've mentioned it before they've started piping in noise at impact and i think they've done it quite well i felt it was a bit too much here because the piped in crowd were going absolutely bananas for this contract signing here with these three guys just sat at a desk. It sounded quite funny. I say the virtual audience loves a good contract. Oh, they just love it. As if we (laughs) haven't had enough in the last year. Just, yeah, contracts. Love it. We have Tommy Dreamer who thanks Swan and Scott for giving him this shot. He says, I really appreciate this as I know there are way more deserving people than me in the back there. The first time... Yeah. (laughs) The first time I won the world championship was against Taz. He was the best man at my wedding. The second world title, I beat one of my best friends, Christian, and created history. He says, Rich, you are pound for pound one of the best wrestlers ever. There are no holes in your offense, but there are in your defense. I know you still have a bad leg and I'm coming for it. And that's when Moose comes out. Let, let's break down this kind of first bit with Dreamer. Um, what what did you think here? So I, I did like the fact that he brought up Rich's um, injury 
because I like I, I don't know if you if, like if, you know, anybody in the Twitch chat. I'm, I'm pretty sure some people have heard of heard of like what exactly happened to Rich, but like, dude, I I, I, gen, I genuinely don't know how this dude is still wrestling at the rate that he is or moving at the rate he is. Just hearing him describe like what really happened to him, like he basically like his Achilles was like finished, like and it was like bad, like he. he like the the way he described it was like it got like crushed like a soda can, like it was like really like that bad. Like and the doctor was telling him, the surgeon was telling him that there was a possibility that he would be walking with a limp for the rest of his life, wow. probably. Like and like that that's like the least of it. Like just, and it, it, it's like I'm glad Tommy kind of mentioned that because like it kind of really made me think about like how crazy it is to see Rich Swan like actually wrestling right now just knowing how bad his uh his Achilles injury was and like how he could have like like it, like I know people say this like often in storylines like to further enhance it but like that legit like could have ended Rich Swan's career like it was like that bad so it's it's kind of cool to see him back and like I, I like that Tommy added that uh that, that little piece in there I, I think it really added to the segment for those who you know were aware of you know the severity of Rich Swan's injury it's it's a great babyface line actually because we're looking at this fifty year old who we don't think stands a chance right. going against him, but he brings up he's like no I know your weakness it's your leg your ankle was messed up and I'm gonna go after that but being a babyface like saying it as well it's it's kind of out of respect almost it's like yeah your your offense is great but this is what I'm going for rather than doing it in a sneaky heel way. It's crazy though that Rich Swan can still move like he does. The only thing I yes. notice he doesn't really do anymore is that standing 450, you know, where he does the triple bounce and gets Ooh, higher yeah. and higher. That's yeah. the only thing I've really noticed him eliminate from his game, but everything else, it you'd have no idea. Like, I, I move worse than this guy. And <laughs> <laughs> I ain't doing wrestling, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. We are interrupted by Moose, who comes out. Hell of an entrance. Great entrance. Looks like a star. He comes out and says, he's all suited up. He says, I never get angry. Which I think is a lie. I think we see Moose angry quite a lot. <laughs> he says, I never get angry. But the fact that I'm not getting the title shot I was promised pisses me off. He says, you're supposed to be a fighting champion. One of the best in the world. But it seems like you're taking a night off because you're arresting a man who just turned 50 years old. That, that, and that's kind of what we said the other week. Like, it, it almost feels like a heel move taking Dreamer over Moose here. Mm -hmm. So Moose is getting in their face and Damore warns him that if you attack either of these guys right now, I'm, I'm suspending you. Your, your title shot is done. You're off. And Moose says, no, I, I'm not going to attack these guys. Look, I already beat Dreamer at Slammiversary and I know I can beat Swan Moose then holds up the TNA championship and that's when Swan says that that's in the past and it's impact now it's about impact wrestling Dreamer yells telling them both to shut up he pulls out his phone and says on July 18th I got a text from Moose saying damn I'm pretty sore I thought you were just an old man but you're pretty good. And basically putting over the match they had at Slammiversary and what a fight they had. Dreamer with the pen. Dreamer with the pen. <laughs> and Dreamer says that he lit a fire under Moose's ass that night. And he's proud 
watching Moose since then and what he's been able to do. But he still doesn't get it. Dreamer says, I don't wrestle for the money. I wrestle to have fun and inspire people at home, inspire people at the back. He does it for the other Dreamers. And says, as long as I have air in my lungs and blood in my veins, I will wrestle for good. I want to wrestle and win that, pointing to the championship, and spread good in this world. For three hours, I want people to forget all the bad that's going on out there. And it will be an honour to tear it up with you, Rich. And we'll leave the ring united by our love for pro wrestling and this business. Um, Look, I have no interest in really watching Tommy Dreamer anymore. But when he needs to cut a promo, he gets me invested. He did it with that Moose feud earlier in the year. I think he's so great on the mic and kind of makes me interested about this match I really don't care about seeing. Uh, I love the the stuff about Moose and saying that he's kind of proud of watching what Moose has done since that match at Slammiversary. You, you kind of want to root for this guy. He's acknowledging that, look, there are better wrestlers than me. I'm past my prime, but I just love this and want to keep doing this. And if I get a shot for the title, I want it. Um, for me, I, I thought as far as contract signings go, I thought this did a great job as uh, actually making me more interested in this match and interested in the Moose factor that we we know we're, we're going to eventually. That's the next program, right? Moose versus Swan. I assume right. it's not Tommy Dreamer coming out of Saturday, but I, I thought they actually did a really good job with this, this final segment. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, it definitely got me more interested than I was um, in the few, and not even it's not even a few, just in, in the match that they have coming up. Dreamer is very good. Like I, I know we always, you know, we joke and we clown and stuff like that, and and that, that's more so because Dreamer is a funny dude. Like if anybody has heard him, this dude on Busted Open Radio, like dude is hilarious. Like they always joking with him and making these comments but like when, when he needs to turn it on and make it serious and make it legit he can do that at the age of 50 so you know of course kudos to Tommy Dreamer for being able to still turn it on like one thing that I really like that he said um, to Moose when he was like like Impact almost fired your ass like we almost mm-hmm. let you go and I was like ooh I, I was like I, I was like, well, I was like well, we could, can I get some more details about that Dreamer what was that when was, yeah, when, you almost let, when, when did they almost let Moose go? But I, I'm pretty sure that was probably around the time when his, maybe his contract was coming up or something along those lines. Uh, but it, it was cool. No, I don't want to say cool, but it was just like, you know, a nice little zinger in there to, you know, much along the lines of earlier when he mentioned how uh, Rich Swan's uh, devastating injury. I like how he kind of brought up that impact almost let Moose go and then to see how Moose has progressed. And, but, dude, he... See, see, this is the thing that I really like about guys like Tommy Dreamer is they understand like very simple concepts in professional wrestling as far as like building up a story. When it you like you you know you see some people like when they in the promo segment with somebody like they they're trying to get in all the good jokes and like trying to knock their opponent down verbally as best as they can, but like. Dude, that does nothing for the ultimate, like the the ultimate goal in the end, which is a match. Like you're you devaluing the person that you're supposed to be facing. Like Tommy Dreamer literally made Rich Swan look like a big deal by saying, like, dude, I know you're quicker than me. 
I know you're probably you're a better wrestler than me, like, but you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out here and I'm gonna try to give it give it my all. And he looks at Moose and says, like, dude, you've been on a tear over the past year. Like, you almost got cut a couple years ago, and it's kind of it's really cool to see how far you come. And I know you're a threat, but right now, focus on Rich. And dude, he did so much for the both of them in like three minutes. I was like, that's perfect. It's perfect, I, bro. I agree. Uh, I was listening to one of Arn Anderson's latest podcasts recently, and he was saying about you should never call someone fat or old in like a wrestling promo because he goes, "What do you what do you get from it? You you've then beaten a, a fat old person. What does that mean? Like you should always be trying to put the other guy over, and and we don't actually see it enough in wrestling. And I think that's where uh, Dreamer, as as you said, he gets it. Uh, he's putting over both these guys and uh, you see Taz doing it on commentary when it's it's someone up against team Taz he's not just saying about how bad they are he's right. he's saying about all their strengths but team Taz is just better you know um and it's definitely it, it's something i think maybe the the veterans kind of understand a bit more i also think since like the curtains pulled back we all know what the deal is with wrestling we know what's right. real and what's not real as wrestling fans, we bite a lot more when they blur those lines. Think back a few years when you had those Cena versus Reigns promos. And mm. Cena's bringing up stuff that isn't really story. It's like he's bringing up that people stuff aren't getting say. behind Roman and that we still need John <laughs> Cena to be around because Roman hasn't taken that torch and gone with it. And that's kind of what Tommy Dream has been doing in both his feud against Moose uh, in the summer last year where he was bringing up like you were hated in the NFL, you hated in this locker room. You you could be the best at what you do, but you've got this attitude problem. And same here when he's bringing up the fact you're almost fired, which I kind of believe actually I, I can kind of see that being a thing. And they were like, all right, we're going to give this guy one more chance. It does make you more invested in the story. At least it does for me. Yeah, no, I agree, man. But I, I, I still don't think Dreamer has a shot. Like, no, I think he's winning. Then, no, <laughs> but but uh, but yeah, it, it definitely got me in it. But Dreamer did it. Like I, I, I think I could put the Dreamer with the pin jokes to the side for now. <laughs> dude, dude, like he 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 did a really really good job in this segment. Like he definitely deserves his props. Yeah, we 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 can put those jokes down until we get Dreamer versus Kenny Omega for the ownership of both Impact and AEW. That oh, that that might be when we have to be like, all right. Dreamer, what's it's going on here? <laughs> it's happening. I'm telling you. So uh, that was Impact Wrestling, Feb 9th, 2021. Um, overall, I was a bit higher on this show than the last few weeks. I thought um, we got a lot more wrestling. We didn't get the as many of the quick matches as we've had. But still the same problems, too many distractions, too many DQs. Uh, and I, I really did enjoy that contract signing at the end there. So I'd say... More thumbs up for me, like thumbs in the middle to thumbs up for this week's impact, like a, a good six, six yeah, point five. Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna go right along with you. I'm gonna say six point five. Uh, the, the DQ finishes and stuff kind of took me out, but like that that final segment did a lot for me as a fan of just watching. I think that was like a really really solid contract signing to build for a match that I don't think a lot of people were really interested in. So yeah, I'm, I'm. I think that kind of kicked it up a few notches for me. But if you take that off the show, eh, you know, kind of missable for the you know for the most part. But yeah, uh, Dreamer, 
Swan and Moose. That was a great segment. And of course, we're building to Swan versus Moose. And like me and you predicted, uh, Moose is likely probably going to end up uh, being world champion. I think so, yeah. Um, so that was Impact. We're going towards No Surrender this Saturday. Uh, we'll be talking about this on Deep Impact next week, kind of our thoughts on the pay per view. But let's quickly run through it and maybe just quickly shout out some uh, predictions. So we have the Triple Threat Revolver match for the number one contendership of the Impact X Division Championship. Ace Austin versus Blake Christian versus Chris Bay versus Davari versus Josh Alexander versus Suicide versus Trey Miguel versus Willie Mack. I'm going, um, I'm, geez, I'm going Ace Austin. You're going Ace Austin? Yeah. I see it being Trey, Austin, and Blake Christian as the final three. Mm. Um, you know what? I'm going to go with Blake Christian. I mm. could I could maybe see something. Uh, you play back on the final with Blake Christian and Ace Austin, um, and you can always have him kind of, with it being a triple threat, kind of sneak the win. And I think that's an interesting direction. And then that frees up Trey Miguel to go with Sammy Callahan. And I think Ace Austin can have something bigger at this point. We have Eddie Edwards and Matt Cardona versus Brian Myers and Hernandez. Uh, I mean, uh, Hernandez is taking that pin. So I'm going uh, (laughs) Eddie Edwards and uh, Cardona. As long as he gets paid, who cares? Yeah, (laughs) I I think Eddie Edwards and Cardona as well. Uh, TJP versus Rohit Raju with Mahabali Shura for the Impact X Division Championship. Two-time, two-time, Davey, two-time X-Division champion, Rohit Raju. Uh, I, I'm i going with you there as well, and that's kind of why I think it will be Blake Christian winning the uh, number one contendership, because I think that seems like a fresh feud. Uh, mm. I can't see them doing heel versus heel with Ace versus Raju. Uh, yeah, so I right. think Blake Christian versus Rohit Raju would be interesting down the line. We have the uh, six knockouts tag match. Susan, Dionna Prazo and Kimberly versus Jazz, ODB and Jordan Grace. They they, they got to get Dionna a win, bro. Like they got to get her something. Like she kind of been like just in the middle of everything, but not really the focus of anything. Like they, they need to give her this win. Like give her a, like a defining standout win. But you've got Susan and Kimberly right next to her begging to be pinned. <laughs> They're just there. She's got two women there just ready to take the fall for her. Um, yeah, I, I think the baby faces are winning this one, uh, personally. Uh, I, I'm with you. I think they need to give Dionna something. Um, but yeah, I, I can, I can see it being the baby faces winning this one. We have the Knockouts tag team titles, Havoc and Nevaeh taking on uh, Fire and Flavor in Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles. You know what? I'm going Havoc and Nevaeh. I think they're going to do the switch. I I kind of feel you're right. Uh, I was thinking that as well. Um, Maybe then you could build up, hey, maybe that's when you can bring in uh, Britt Baker. It's a team with Tennille. I thought, I thought you were about to say Sasha. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that Forbidden Door is still closed. But uh, yeah, I could maybe see Havoc and Nevaeh winning and then maybe being in a feud with Dashwood and Britt Baker, perhaps, mm. maybe. 
perhaps. Um, Impact World Championship, Rich Swan versus Tommy Dreamer. Hey, no, let me start playing. Uh, I'll, <laughs> but, uh, Rich Swan. Rich Swan. I, I'm with you there. And then we have the main event, uh, according to Wikipedia, the Good Brothers, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson, defending their tag team championships against Chris Saban and James Storm and Private Party. Uh, the Good Brothers are pinning uh, either Saban or Storm. And then we are going to get the Private Party rematch later on the line. Nice. Yeah, I'm going Good Brothers as well. Um, and then we'll see next Tuesday how how right we are. Um, only one bit of feedback this week, so I'll quickly read that out before we say goodnight. It's from Shorty2112. He says, hello, gentlemen. I'm Shorty212. Well, hello. And I am first time, long time. First time, long time. And I got to say that I am loving the companies working together. I was able to see Impact Live the last few years, and I got to say that I am enjoying the shows a lot more lately. I'm looking forward to my Vengeance Day weekend with Impact and NXT show happening. I am loving the Knockout Champs and that the show is different, and I'm looking forward to it each week. Excellent. Well, it's nice to know that some people are watching Impact, and we aren't just shouting into the void, Andrew. But, um, yeah, I'm... Are you going to be watching uh, the event this Saturday? The I, I will try to catch it. I'll probably uh, catch it after after it airs, uh, probably off the late night sometime. And uh, yeah, but it's, it's, a lot, it's a lot of good wrestling going on this weekend, man. But I am definitely going to catch this show uh, sooner or later. Yeah, I, th- I think for one of the Impact Plus pay-per-views, it, it feels a bit of a bigger deal than normal. Um, I'm quite excited for this one. It's just... As you said, a loaded weekend. We've got NXT, TakeOver Vengeance Day on Sunday, and this on Saturday. Um, Always so much wrestling, but it's a good job we're in a global pandemic and there's not much else to do right now, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Any final words, Andrew, before we say goodnight? Uh, Not much. Just thank you for having me on, bro. Always appreciate doing these. Always... uh great to be asked to be doing a podcast and it's always fun chatting with you my good man have you got any final things you need to plug any shows coming out any interviews uh i will be uh recording an interview with a certain ring of honor star this friday you're tuning in to see who that is and uh i am lobbying everybody please go tag bow wow in your tweets and let him let, let him know that i'm trying to interview him i'm trying to get the scoop Oh, I think I gave that a retweet earlier. Yeah, everyone go to it. And where can we find you on Twitter, Andrew? Uh, AD Thompson underscore underscore. As Wei Ting likes to uh, point out, uh, underscore underscore. Perfect, perfect. Well, I'll be back tomorrow night with a brand new episode of Up Next. We'll be talking about the go-home show of NXT. Oh, hey, did you, uh, I was about to say, what did this kind of ties into what you just said. Did you see what they just tweeted out from NXT? I did not know. What so did Austin Theory uh, put out a video and said, no Johnny take over this Sunday. Uh, but tomorrow night, Kushida, uh, you're going to pay because of the way, because of the, because that's the way. And then the, the official NXT Twitter account had tweeted out Johnny take over out of uh, take over Vengeance Day with question marks at the end. So I, I'm, I'm pretty sure the account just wouldn't tweet that for no reason. So yeah, like, okay. it, it's just weird. And he, he said, uh, Austin Theory is a direct quote. He said, I just left Johnny's house and I can't hold this in anymore. Johnny's out of takeover. Johnny will not be there and it is all because of you, Kushida. I always have a smile on my face. But it is time to be serious. I'm not playing around tomorrow night when NXT, Kushida, you will pay. 
So it's looking like uh, Theory versus Kushida on um, uh, tomorrow's NXT, and Johnny may be out of Takeover. They haven't confirmed it yet, but I'm pretty like I'm pretty sure you know we we know that the account wouldn't comment on that unless it was you know something sure. going on. So so hopefully Johnny's good. Yeah, unless, I mean it could always be an angle that it's right. Johnny to right. screw over Kushida tomorrow. Um, but interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking at that now. I. That's the match I'm most looking forward to on Sunday. So I, I really hope it it goes ahead. But if not, I'm sure it will happen at some point. Uh, and obviously, wish Johnny Gargano well, whatever he's dealing with. Um, so yes, up next tomorrow night. No shot in the dark this week. Uh, we've got John Ceno just attending to some personal things. So we wish him uh, our best as well. Um, Thursday, BD Elite. 1 p.m. on Twitch and then will be available in the free Up Next feed for you to listen to at a later time. Uh, We have so many more shows on the Patreon this week. We're looking at the top five moments of love in wrestling. That'll be coming out this weekend as well as reviews from the six. We're going back to 1999 to review the St. Valentine's Day Massacre as it is Valentine's Day weekend. Looking at Stone Cold versus Vince McMahon in a steel cage. But more importantly, Val Venus fighting Ken Shamrock over the love of Ryan Shamrock. It's it's great. It's fantastic. And then the main event this Sunday, we'll be doing our live post-show for NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day, twitch.tv forward slash up next. Podcast will be going up about 15 minutes after the show ends. You'll be able to hear it in your free feeds as well if you can't catch us live. Twitch.tv slash upnextpodcast. That's it, guys. That was Deep Impact. Thank you once again, Andrew. Always a pleasure talking to you, my friend. And we'll be back very, very soon. Good night, people. Take care. Be safe. Ahoy! Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-on bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIO, you'll be all set for when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIO. 
You're a holiday powerhouse. You host the dinners, shovel neighbors, sidewalks, and make everything from scratch. You definitely don't need help making the holidays happen. But Dunkin's Holiday Blend Coffee? A warming medium roast complete with sweet notes of dried fruit and molasses. Or a cranberry orange muffin made with real cranberries just might convince you a little help never hurt. Especially the hot caffeinated kind. America runs on Dunkin'. Present participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply.